Welcome to the Darlington Extra podcast channel, working with communities, staff and partners to provide positive outcomes. Hello and welcome to the Darlington Extra podcast channel. My name is Martin Webster and I'm the Workforce Development Manager here in Darlington Borough Council People Group. And today we're going to be doing a podcast around autism. Um, we're going to be talking about autism and Darlington, what we're doing, why it's important and what more we need to do. So I'm here with local members, Councillor Andy Scott and Councillor Scott Durham to talk about their views and experiences as well as local initiatives here in Darlington. So I'll start with Councillor Scott. Would you like to just introduce yourself? Yes, Councillor Andrew Scott. I've been a councillor for, for 20 years now. I became interested in autism through the um, through chairing the Health and Wellbeing Board. I was the previous chair of the Health and Wellbeing Board. And we, we were receiving lots of reports and the reports were always quite positive from partner organisations about how, you know things like diagnosis of, of autism in children. But anecdotally, we were getting a different different story. So there was always a concern there. But what really piqued my interest in autism was friends of mine, they have a, an autistic son, an adult autistic son, and he came to me for help in terms of he wanted employment and he, and he was feeling very, you know, he, he didn't have any worth. He was getting some work in, in charities, but um, he, want, he really wanted to do something that gave him some purpose. They were really at the end of the tether about trying to support him. And I managed to, um, through the Step Forward Tees Valley programme, we managed to get him a placement, permanent employment. And that really sort of triggered my interest in terms of people with autism have so many different challenges. How can we sort of help them along the way? And then... Coincidentally, the Northeast Autism Society came to the, to the council with a proposal to make Darlington an autism-friendly town. So we really took that up and worked with Northeast Autism Society to do that. And this was pre-pandemic, so we worked with lots of private sector organisations. You, you people probably remember the Cornmill Centre running at the quiet hour on a Sunday morning, and that was all part of that. But we did some really good work. We did training throughout the council, so anyone who was public-facing was getting was getting access to training so they could understand the challenges that, that people with autism may have. We did some great work with our hotels, including Rockliffe Hall, training their staff and really wanted to get, get to a position where we could offer things like autistic friendly weddings. So there's a lot of work going on but unfortunately the pandemic came along and that really curtailed that but uh, it was a really uh, exciting time to get lots of different partners involved. Amazing. Thanks very much, Councillor Scott. And I think it's really about how we take things forward now, isn't it, and embed these kinds of um, initiatives and really roll with it in Darlington as, as we move forward as well. Councillor Durham, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved? Yeah, I suppose I got involved because, well, by backstory, I've been a councillor for, for four years, elected in 2019. How I got involved was I was asked by Councillor Heather Scott to, to be the autism champion. And it's like, well, the autism champion, you're going to be put out with air front and sending all of these positive messages out there. Um, but I think it was it was on the on the back of I have two two children who are on the spectrum twins boy and girl both eight, year, eight years old or eight and a half in their world and we've been on a journey a real journey and the journey that i've been on from speaking to to people speaking to residents picking up on forums people are been on the, exactly the same journey in most cases as what what i've been on so my son originally was diagnosed as maybe a little bit of a naughty boy when he was at nursery uh, transitions were a challenge etc and I always remember the first day 
in reception at, uh, at his bigger school and there was a photograph taken. Should have been little smile, smiley, happy little boy. He was absolutely petrified and you could just see it on his face. And within a short space of time, um, he was having meltdowns virtually continuously within the school. And it was obviously very early through the process, he had been given the wrong diagnosis in terms of he'd been assessed as being a little bit of a naughty boy and being supported by various agencies, um, you know, within the local authority. Thankfully, the the SEN within the school identified some some traits and suggested uh, there needs to be an assessment. And through all of this, you then got a situation where you feel as though the school are trying to push this little frightened boy out of the, the school. You then get passed from pillar to post through the the GP practice from the council from the school in terms of being referred for an assessment and I took it on myself I got a private assessment not something that was was cheap something that I could ill afford but something that happened and it was just really to get the ball rolling and then before you know it this assessment came back and then everything else started to, to fall into plan you know the school realized that he had a special ed- he did have a special educational need and there's obviously pr- there's a protection around that and as soon as the the support starts to go into place you then see a real real not an immediate but a very very quick change in you know how that boy works within school and how he's then matured and developed and then through that process so we're going a little bit long here but it's i think it's important um his his sister was then having meltdowns at school and we've then start we then started the ball rolling with her but the frustrating thing from a parent's perspective in all of this is that because my son was assessed before he was five that went through the nhs route through pediatrics because his sister was identified just after five. It's gone through the CAMS route and she's been on the same journey as so many parents where fantastic, we're going to get help now. He then walked into a room, sat down, said, okay, well, yeah, we're going to be on this pathway. Brilliant. And then you left. You were virtually left for three years. And, you know, thankfully she's gone through that process, uh, had a diagnosis, etc. But, as I said before, it's a journey which, speaking to a lot of people, is is a similar shared experience. A massive thanks to both of you for sharing all of that. You can you can really see that you both got that real personal interest and involvement in autism, and it's it's really kind of it really comes through in in what you've what you've mentioned in them first the first kind of conversations we're having at the moment. So. Could you tell us a little bit about what you're involved with currently and how you got involved in, in this autism-related work? And I know that you've mentioned quite a, a few things already in terms of the journey so far, but what are the kind of current initiatives that you're involved with? Well, in, ter- in terms of the initiatives, it's been a difficult space to manoeuvre, to be honest. I think the real focus for me at this moment in time is is, is being a critical friend and wherever possible is getting the positive messages out. But that's that's pretty difficult at this moment in time because there isn't the framework um, for us to for us to manage that and you know it may be something that we discuss later I think first and foremost as a as a ward councillor and you know through various conversations with people and, and being known you end up um, being somebody that people people load onto so you know they, they see that there's been a shared journey and really a lot of people need help with signposting. You know, they, they just don't know where to go. 
and and there's there's a lot of absolutely fantastic organisations out there, you know, locally, you know, the Northeast Autism Society, Daisy Chain, and even more locally, the the Danton uh, Parent Carer Forum. Yeah, with some absolutely fantastic people, but you know, these organisations, especially the Parent Carer Forum, and I think this is where we really need to start supporting and pushing the message out. Is you know, there there are. There are doors, but it's, you know, it, it's basically it's highlighting where to go. Yeah, absolutely. And yourself, Councillor Scott? Yeah, I mean, I touched on earlier about the um, becoming an autism-friendly town. At that time, I did make the bold statement that I wanted us to be the most autism-friendly town in the country. And we were working towards that. And um, like I said, unfortunately, the pandemic came along and um, the work we were doing with the, the hospitality and the retail sector really had to be put on hold. And we're ready to, to restart that. Although I'm really encouraged that places like the Dolphin Centre and some of our shoe shops continue to offer those specific times for people with autism. So there is a legacy there. But what we've done within the council in the last um, couple of years is we set up an autism steering group. And that was to really highlight how we feel that, that, you know, dealing with autism and making people with autism's lives better is so important to us. So the steering group is a, is a, is a group of councillors who come together and look at what's going on across um, across the council and also across our partners. You know, people like Juve are incredibly important in this journey. And, and we can look at what they're doing and, and we can, you know, aim to help and improve um, where we can. We've done some great work with training packages. So we, we've, we've improved the training packages. Um, we've moved on. So we've got some brilliant online training packages for staff to access. Um, so um, that's that's work that's ongoing. Absolutely. And, and that sounds great. And I know we'll talk about the um, some of the autism awareness training a little bit later. You mentioned um, autism friendly town as well and that Darlington is actually classed as an autism-friendly town. What does that mean and, and why is Darlington an autism-friendly town? Yeah, so it's about that experience of people with autism just generally in their day-to-day lives and it's trying to improve that experience. So, like I said, training is an important thing. So if we can train as many people, not just in the public sector but in the private sector, to understand autism and understand how to how to react to people with autism in a positive way and make those people's lives much better. It's, a, it's about that and it's about doing that across the town. Like I said, Said, you know the retail se- sector is very important the hospitality sector is very important it's constantly it's an ongoing piece of work this um, it's not just something that you can set up and leave it to run we have to keep we have to keep promoting it I have to keep looking at areas where people autism their lives impact on certain services or certain services impact on their lives and how to improve those services and and yourself council Durham, what does what does darlington being an autism friendly town mean to you well i, th- I think um councillor scott obviously has shared the vision and, and the journey that the, the council was on and various partners and unfortunately because of covid a lot of that was was disrupted and and we're all we're all on the same page in that it needs to be reinvigorated the the so much work which which councillor scott has um has laid out there but i think i think more than anything is that we need to understand what people want there needs to be that that engagement with the whole community and for me one of the things that we can do first of all is we can we can celebrate some of the successes which you know councillor scott mentioned but it's also just the people it's the individuals within the town you know we we had a situation where at uh, a local supermarket and I'll say the lady's name, there was a, a lady called Max Lunn, 
working in a shop, I identified that uh, little boy was really, really struggling because you know, she had a, a, f- a family member and supported the boy through through his shopping journey. It's absolutely fantastic. You know, we've got some uh, some hairdressers in the town who will actually set some time, some gaps either side to help children and adults take a haircut in a quiet, peaceful time which is they're comfortable with it's a vision and there will there will be there will be stumbling blocks and it will be a case of two steps forward and one back councillor scott you know said we just need to keep our foot on the gas and we need to we need to bring a whole host of agencies in the room in one place and what we'd hope for is you know there's obviously there'll be elections coming up etc it'll be an absolute it'd be a new council um, come there, but you would hope that the the new council will be able to to embed governance um, procedures and processes, so we make sure that autism friendly is is on the agenda. It is scrutinised by the by the whole council, and the whole council is involved in that journey. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more with with all of that. To be honest, and I think one of the key things that um, that we always talk about from a, a training and staff development and people development side is that collaboration, that tenacity, um, developing understanding, effective communication, educating people across the communities as well, and respect across the communities. And I think that's probably what you've both been saying there. Really, that that level of understanding for Darlington be, to be an autism-friendly town. We need to have that level of respect and understanding and effective communications. And it's about everybody being involved. And then it's everybody's business because we want to be a really inclusive town. Um, so we mentioned the training a couple of times as well. And um, and I'm involved in some of that training side of it from a um, from a, a role perspective. And we're linking with um, with Dalton Association of Disabilities as well around um, a training program that's a national training program called the Oliver McGowan Trust. Um, and there's some brilliant training that's going to be rolled out through the trust. What kind of impact do you think that could potentially have on the town if we get that kind of those information sharing sort of training programs that's applicable for everybody and then those specialist kind of training programs and, and they do hit home what kind of impact would you want that to have for the town you've already said it martin actually it's about respect it's about embedding respect for people who may be neurodivergent in every aspect of uh, of daily life um, and if we can do that then you know we'll do a good job absolutely yeah thank you and council durham your your kind of views or i suppose your aspirations for the town if we can make this really hit home Mm. Council Scott hit the nail on the head. I think we, we've got a real opportunity. It's just to dispel some myths. You know, I'll I'll come across people and um, you want to grab hold of them and give them a hit sometimes. And that uh, you know, they'll talk about um, somebody who is neurodiverse. And you know, there's this assumption that oh, okay, well, absolutely fantastic at maths. And you know, you, you, you can see where I, I could go with that. We could go on forever. Um, but yeah, it's it's dispelling myths. It's it's being kinder, yeah, more understanding. Not just for the person, but you know, as a parent, um, you can be out and about. And uh, for whatever reason, it could be a sensory issue. It could be the fact that it's just been bottling up and bottling up, and and your child is stimming um or they're they're about to explode and and it's the looks that you get from parents and what you hope is that the child doesn't pick up on that um because as as a child as they move through society they just want to be accepted yeah it's probably not a mindful consideration but you know they should be accepted they should be helped they should be supported 
on the journey through life. And I suppose a lot of that when we've talked about COVID a couple of times and lockdown and the impact that that's had on children, young people and the difference and the difficulties that they've that they've had to face through not being at school and then going back into school and the the things that that brings with it in terms of lack of confidence in some children and young people and the the real fear of going back in. And I think we're finding across the board in, in children's services and adult services, the impact and the longer term impact that the pandemic has had on, on people reintegrating in society. And for those children and young people who are on the spectrum, that difficulty becomes even more pronounced and it's how we can support and how we can understand and how we can basically train the whole of or make aware the whole of the the community across Darlington so that we are a lot more thoughtful, a lot kinder um, and do show those kinds of real human traits and understanding and patience and, and all of that kind of thing really across the across the whole community, I guess. So what do you feel needs to be done to support families and individuals with autism in Darlington? And again, we'll start with Councillor Scott on this one. There will probably be always the ongoing issue of, um, firstly, diagnosis of children. And, and Scott's talked around that and how people have varied experiences of that. But quite often we hear that there's, those are negative experiences. Secondly, I think there's an issue around employment. There are many people who are neurodivergent who are capable of taking up employment, but the opportunities, um, it's harder for them to access employment. So we need to look at that. And thirdly, it's about support and respite for for families. And again, these are all funded services. And, you know, we could make a political point. My political point is um, all political groups, political parties haven't dealt with this effectively over many years. So we, we're in this position and this is the position we're in. And I certainly don't want to, I wouldn't make a turn this into into politics because it's something that we locally should be dealing with. Um, and, you know, as, as local politicians, we can campaign our respective parties um, to, to improve the, the funding for these services because quite often it does come down to funding. But those are the three areas that I think that, that, that are the focus. We can do all the stuff on the, around, around the edges about making people's lives better in terms of their, their general living lived experience. But diagnosis, firstly, employment, and support and respite for, for for families, I think, is the important thing and the, fo- the focus we should have. Thanks. And, and Councillor Durham, what about um, your thoughts and feelings in terms of supporting families mm. across Darlington? Well, I think first and foremost, there needs to be an opportunity for, for families to, to provide input. For me, from, from what I see, you've got... Let's take social media as an example. There's a lot of comment from various people uh, and they'll be providing their stories, their journey. But a lot of what you pick up on is people don't know where to go. People don't know who to talk to. So you go back to that signposting that I was talking about before. I, th- I think more than anything is that it's it's appreciating that there is a, a neurodiverse individual, but there is also there's a family and the challenges that that child or that adult may have has a knock-on effect with that family. For me, there needs to be this wraparound care situation. Yeah, we could we could look at it, and we could you know you, you could look at areas of deprivation. You could look at areas of employment, and you could have all of these statistics and overlay them. 
I bet you're right in the middle in terms of if you were looking at it from a heat map perspective that there would be a lot of people who are struggling financially who are probably on some sort of benefit because of the fact that there is somebody in their family who is neurodiverse and there's the challenges so it's how you know it's how, how we support those people and Andy's right you know f- funding uh, and all political parties have have avoided this in the future uh, I wouldn't like to make comment about you know the funding that's come from the local government because you know as Andy said there's this is not political but I think locally what we need to understand is is how as a whole the family unit can be supportive whether that's through employment opportunities for the individual. You know, I've said in a recent meeting, DBC can set a shining example on that. But what we shouldn't be doing at this moment in time is setting off all of these initiatives without a framework. These initiatives, so for example, if we were providing work experience opportunities, should fall out of a framework, a plan, that we're all working with because um, my real concern is that you know Andy mentioned the the cross-party working group and you know we that then became a little bit a little bit stale because we were struggling to get um, various partners involved in the process we've then tried to reinvigorate that recently um, but the meeting was cancelled because some of the follow-up steps hadn't happened there really needs to be the commitment that we're going to create this framework that all of these plans then fall out of locally. Thanks for that. And I think some of the points today, I mean, all of the points today made are, are very applicable to children, young people, families, to adults, where autism is part of family life. It's right across the board. And some of the key things that, that I've taken from today, the key points that you've made are around collaboration, communication, signposting, awareness raising, that whole family focus, that understanding and that real need for a clear plan and framework that's about respect and it's about how people come together to to really formulate that and take it through with tenacity and action. Um, anything else from yourselves before we wrap up for today, chaps? I think it's just worth also just finally celebrating the news that we um, were successful in, in, in getting funding for a for a new school, um, 45 places for, for, for children with autism. Some people will say it's not enough, but it is, uh, it's a huge success and incredibly welcome news. Excellent. Thank you very yeah. much. So a huge thanks to um, to Andy and to Scott for their time to discuss these really important issues in Darlington. Um, we're also helping, as we said, to facilitate a whole town autism awareness training program across the borough and resources and support will be available um, to everyone through the Darlington Extra website. Many thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Darlington Extra podcast on our Darlington Extra podcast channel. For more great content, make sure you subscribe now. Thank you.